Section 60. A History of the Inquisition of Spain by Henry Charles Lay. Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Scott Breck. History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume 3, by Henry Charles Lay. Book 8, Chapter 4, Part 4, Spheres of Action, Censorship. Death afforded an opportunity not neglected of expurgating private libraries. When the owner died, the Inquisition stepped in to investigate and to control the disposition of his books. In 1651, it would seem that all books had to pass through its hands, for in the case of Don Alonso de la Torre, the Suprema orders the Valencia Tribunal to forward to it the packages delivered by the heirs, the prohibited ones separate for those approved. The instructions of 1707 apparently limit this interference to cases of sale, for they provide that when, on account of death or other cause, a library is sold, the bookseller must furnish the reviser with a list of all books and their prices, so that prohibited or suspected ones may be surrendered, for which the booksellers may take receipts. In 1748, the case of Dr. Teodoro Thomas, canon of the Cathedral of Valencia, indicates that the executors had to render to the tribunal a detailed statement under oath of the disposition made of all books and papers the prohibited books were given to the dominican convent which had a license enabling it to hold them and the rest were sold to juan batista mallet and manuel cortes booksellers the papers were also accounted for those pertaining to cathedral affairs were delivered to the chapter those which seemed useless were burnt and the servants sold some to an apothecary in this case, the necessary preliminary of submitting an inventory to a reviser had evidently been complied with. When this was omitted, the resultant trouble is exemplified in the library of Gregorio Mayans Isiscar, the most eminent man of letters of his day, who died in 1781. His library was large and valuable, and his widow sought to make the most of it for his children. She was a pious woman but through ignorance did not observe the requisite formalities. She sold a large portion to the Augustinian convent, which had a license to hold prohibited books, and when she learned that this was unlawful, she made great efforts to get it back. The Augustinians resisted, but were finally obliged to submit. When she applied to the Suprema for a license to sell the prohibited books, which was referred to the Valencia Tribunal, it replied November 8, 1803, that the Augustinian Provincial had prohibited the license and had been told that the convent had a right to hold them, but the widow had no right to sell them. The Inquisitor sympathized with her, but pointed out that to grant her request would open the door to fictitious transactions, and he recommended that at most, she should be allowed to sell those which the Augustinians had bought, for there were others. The library was large. It had taken long to make an inventory, and still longer to find a reviser to go over it and note the prohibited books. This, however, had at least been accomplished, and the widow had been furnished with two lists, one of the prohibited books to be surrendered to the Inquisition, and the others of those which must be expurgated before she could sell them. The Suprema, before deciding, required to see a list of the prohibited books sold to the Augustinians, which was 
duly furnished, and we may hope that in the end the widow was able to dispose of her husband's books, although the proceeds must have been woefully diminished by the fees and the expenses and the confiscation of those prohibited. There was scant encouragement in Spain for scholars to accumulate the means of study and research. While this case was dragging along, irreprehensible zeal in pursuit of prohibited books threatened a foreign complication. Leonhard Schuck, the Dutch consul at Alicante, died, leaving the French vice-consul as his executor. The house and effects were duly sealed with the royal seal during the execution of certain legal formalities, but the commissioner of the Inquisition called on the governor to remove the seal and to, to deliver the keys to him, so that he might inventory the books, papers, and prints, for he was informed that there were prohibited articles of all three kinds. The governor refused until he could consult the king, when the commissioner at night broke the seal, made his way in, and compiled an inventory, and replaced the seal as best he could. The Dutch ambassador complained to Carlos IV, and the minister, Urquijo, who was unfriendly to the Inquisition, took occasion to issue a carta orden of October 11, 1799, severely rebuking it for this and other similar occurrences, which had contributed greatly to the increase its evil reputation abroad. This supervision over the libraries of the dead continued under the Restoration. In 1815, orders were sent to all commissioners to see that no books belonging to estates were sold at auction until exact lists were submitted to the tribunal, and its permission was obtained. And in 1817, when Fray Ramundo Garcia, prior of the convent of Montesa at Onda, died, the Valencia tribunal had his library examined with the result of finding quite a number of prohibited books, mostly of Jansenist character. Despite the ceaseless vigilance of the Inquisition, the seekers after forbidden literature took the risk of gratifying their longings. This forbidden literature was necessarily foreign. Under the preliminary restrictions on printing which weighed with such deadly pressure on authorship, and under such vigilance as which prompted the Suprema in 1602 to order the tribunals to instruct their commissioners to seize all new books of those of new authors or new editions and report about them without delivering them to anyone. It was impossible that native works of dangerous tendency could reach the public and censorship was confined to theological subtleties or to trivialties. The only real danger to be guarded against came from abroad, and the Inquisition's most effective service to obscuritism was rendered to the quarantine which it established to preserve the nation from the infection of new ideas. To this were directed the unremitting energies of the state, which found in the Holy Office its most useful instrument. We have seen above how early it took the alarm in 1521. In 1532, the Royal Council adopted the heroic measure of prohibiting the importation and sale of all recently printed books, a measure which, if enforced, would have cut off Spain from all foreign literature without preventing the introduction of heretical books concealed in packages of other merchandise. If not speedily repealed, it at least soon became obsolete, and the function of guarding the land from the importation of heretical matter naturally fell into the hands of the Inquisition, which alone possessed the authority and the ability to decide between what was innocent and what was obnoxious.
This function consisted of two duties, that of separating the wheat from the tares in books regularly imported through the custom houses, and the suppression of smuggling. Precisely at what time the Inquisition undertook these duties, it would be impossible to say, but its activity and organization of the work would seem to date from the Lutheran scare of 1557 and 1558. In a letter of May 12, 1558, from the Suprema to Charles V, it declares that all the inquisitors had been instructed to use the greatest vigilance at the seaports and along the French frontier, but such was the audacity of the heretics that this did not suffice, as was proved by the number of books daily seized in spite of the most rigorous punishment. So, in its report of September 9th to the Pope, it stated that to prevent the importation of heretic books, inquisitors with their officials had been established along the coasts and in places of the greatest trade, which was a falsehood from the purpose of obtaining papal sanction for despoiling the church, since no new tribunals were established, though the existing ones were urged to special vigilance. How this was exercised is detailed in a letter of October 25th from Seville Inquisitors, in response to an exhortation to diligence, they declared that all possible care was taken. Instructions had been given for the visiting of all ships on arrival. No merchandise of any kind should be discharged or opened without the presence of a commissioner, who saw that were no books in the packages, or if there were, they were sent to the tribunal. All packages for Seville were sealed and not opened, save in the presence of their inspector, to see whether there were books enclosed. All books arriving were delivered to the tribunal and examined. When those found to be prohibited or suspicious were detained, it had not come to their knowledge that anyone had received and distributed books without this previous examination. This shows that already the system had been established, which continued with little modification to the end. All packages of books were carefully inspected, those prohibited or subject to expurgation, and the new and unknown ones regarded as suspicious were removed and sent to the tribunal to await its decision, which usually inferred consultation with the Suprema and indefinite delay. Every package of merchandise, moreover box, bale, or barrel, was opened in the presence of the commissioner in search of concealed books. Thus the whole importing commerce of Spain passed through the hands of the Inquisition, whose officials employed in business were unpaid except by the fees which they could exact from merchants, leading to interminable squabbles, insufferable delays, and grievous impediments to the commercial activity of the nation. The trade in books suffered especially. It evidently was regarded as a thing to be restricted as far as possible, and was subject to any caprice of the authorities. In the 16th century, orders were sometimes sent to special ports to forward all packages of books unopened, and finally this was adopted as a universal rule, the whole foreign book trade thus passing through the hands of the Suprema. A carta acordada of June 17, 1666, complains of the inobservance of these instructions, which must be obeyed by the commissioners at all the ports. The carriers must be bound under a penalty to return within a fixed time. The receipt of the Secretary of the Suprema and a separate letter of advice must inform the Suprema who he is and at what tavern in Madrid he is accustomed to lodge. No trade could be profitably carried on which was subject to such vexatious and costly interference while the Suprema 
was constantly scolding the tribunals for their negligence. How their ignorant scrupulousness affected trade may be guessed by an incident occurring at Barcelona in 1666. A bookseller of that city imported a number of copies of a book just printed in Lyons, a Pharmacopoeia Medico Chemica by Johannes Schauderius, M.D., physician in ordinary to the Republic of Frankfurt. In the index of 1640, the inquisitors found, among authors of the first class, the name of Joan. Schroederus, qualified as Philosophus et Theologus, German, Luther, in August Conference, all of whose works were condemned. They seized the pharmacopias and reported to the Suprema, which ordered a copy forwarded. It was duly submitted to Calificadores, and five months afterwards, the tribunal was notified that the books might be delivered to the owner. The internal traffic in books was trammelled by the closest supervision. In 1645, the Valencia Tribunal was instructed to issue no licenses to take books to Castile without a formal order from the Suprema. While their departure was thus closely scrutinized, a second inspection was required on their arrival, as appears from a petition in 1665 of Juan Antonio Benet, bookseller of Madrid, representing that in 1663 he had forwarded to Miguel Paiso, a bookseller of Barcelona, certain books among which the Barcelona Tribunal found and seized a copy of the works of Cuevado, in two volumes which he praised to be released as is was printed in Madrid, which it enjoyed free circulation. It was the same with exports in 1573, the books of some frails going to Canaries required a special order from Suprema to commissioners in Seville, Granada, Cordova, and Badajoz to pass them if there were none prohibiting among them. The instructions of 1707 provided that when books are to be exported, lists of them are to be submitted to the revisers that they may retain any that are prohibited or unknown to them and thus required examination. A transaction in 1788 shows that a special permit was required for each shipment of books to the colonies, and a royal order of August 8, 1807, prescribed that the examination should be made conjointly by the commissioners of the Inquisition, the royal reviser, and a delegate of the Juez de Imprentas. Even books in transit were subject to the watchful eye of the Inquisition, as we learn when, in 1560, some that had belonged to Cardinal Pole were shipped through Spain to Venice and were diligently investigated. Books, in fact, were regarded with the almost an insane fear as the most dangerous of all articles of commerce, and the more thoroughly that Spain could be prevented from knowing what men were thinking and doing in foreign lands, the safer it was for society. The regulations adopted for importations were well adapted to protect the Spanish intellect from such dangers. The requirement of sending all packages to the Suprema unopened seems to have been abandoned, but other obstacles were sufficiently onerous. All books with which the commissioner of the Inquisition was not acquainted had to be submitted to calificadores or sent to the Suprema for decision. As foreign books, especially the new ones, came under this category, the subsequent delays and the risk of prohibition exposed the importing bookseller to hardships rendering trade almost impracticable. Thus, in 1772, Pierre Crozier, a bookseller of Valencia, imported a copy of 
Essays de Morale of Pierre Nicole, it had to be referred to the Suprema, which, by letter of August 29th, ordered it to be examined and reported upon. After the lapse of four years, we find Crozier still begging the tribunal to decide whether it will be permitted, as well as copies of Discours de Fleury, the Histoire de la Bible of Rayamont. If prohibited, he asks permission to sell them to someone who holds a license or to return them to France. How much longer he had to wait, we can only conjecture. These impediments to importation were aggravated by a regulation of the Royal Council in 1784, requiring a license before a new foreign book could be exposed for sale, and out of the small number on which the dealer could venture to try to market, he had, when applying for a license, to give two copies and to pay the examining censor a real per sheet for reading it, with the prospect that if the license was obtained, the Inquisition might subsequently prohibit it. The books seized were detained by the tribunals, and their fate is revealed in a letter from that of Valencia, July 28, 1798. In answer to orders from the Suprema to return to Don Joseph Joaquin de Soria, a copy of the Letres Provinciales in four languages, and to send to Madrid under seal the books brought from Holland some ten years before by Don Pedro Antonio Casas. The tribunal explained at much length its inability to comply. The practice of interring the name of the owner in books seized is recent. The accumulation of prohibited books is large, and the room in which most of them are stored is so hot and so infested with bookworms that in a fortnight a book is pierced through and through. And those of Casas were placed there or left in their boxes, there would not be a leaf remaining. Besides, a bookseller was formerly employed to come monthly and dust them, and he carried away all that he wanted, as appeared in his prosecution on that charge in 1789. This explains why only a portion of Casas's books can be found. As to Sorius Letres Provinciales, two copies of that edition have been found, but each has a different owner's name. Verily, the Inquisition was the graveyard of books. End of section 60.